0: Welcome to Education Empowerment Podcast. I'm super, super duper excited. Today, I'm not the only one talking, guys. I'm not the only one talking. Today, I'm actually going to be interviewing someone who does great work in the community, who builds relationships with kids that comes from underserved communities. And so We're just going to be hearing his story. How did he get his nonprofit started? I know some of you out there who may have a nonprofit, who may want to start making a difference, really just don't know how to get started. So, you may hear a few gems today that can help you get that started, so let's get into it. What's going on, Terry? How you doing today?
1: I'm great, man. Great. Glad to be talking with you about uh, the nonprofit, just everything I have going on right now. And I'm uh, glad to be on the podcast with you.
0: Right. Super, super, duper
1: excited. Where are you from? So I'm originally from Griffin, Georgia, south of Atlanta,
0: uh, a small city. All right. So tell the people, how what was it like growing up in Griffin? What's, what's kind of your back-end story? Uh, so
1: growing up in Griffin, like I say, small city, uh, wasn't really much to do unless you play sports, uh, you know, and, and things like that. It wasn't really much to get into. So, uh, you know, I played basketball growing up. Um, and when I was, you know, at a very early age, my father and my mom separated. Uh, so I kind of found myself quickly, you know, as i growing grown up in teenage years, found myself quickly kind of trying to get involved with certain of type of groups. Uh, just trying to fit in with my peers. So around about thirteen to fourteen, uh, I think for me that's when I really started making decisions that was really starting to, uh, you know, affect you know just the, my lifestyle. And you know what I mean by that, just as a teenager, I started uh, getting involved with different like gang activities and stuff like that, and just really, just really trying to find my identity as a teenager. And from there, I just kind of really struggled with my identity, and and so I think right now uh, you know, once I you know, along the way as I was growing up, you know, starting to get involved and in indulging in different street activities, it, it led me to, you know, facing some real time in life and so uh going through that and as I reflect back on that situation, that's kinda what my passion is now to try to you know, as I built this nonprofit called Royal Nation, my whole my whole passion and mission is, is based off my life and trying to uh interfere, just interject, you know, where you know, be a role model for I didn't have. I didn't have the role model coming up. I didn't have someone, you know, trying to tell me the right way to go. I didn't have someone trying to motivate me to go back to school and uh, go to college. So, you know, just trying to be that role model in the community that, you know, direct our, our young people in the right direction. Right, right, right on, brother. I
0: can definitely agree with that. So I know that you mentioned that you said that you made some bad choices, bad decisions. What was it that inspired you to make those bad choices and decisions like I know that you seen that in your community yeah. but what was that driven factor saying maybe you know the right thing was to go to school respect your parents the whole nine but the streets and the gang related activities was was just so appealing like what was so appealing about that
1: uh I think you know I I seen uh, just being around you know at the age of 13 to 14 just being around a lot of younger older guys, guys that were a lot older than me, nineteen, twenty. Uh, just kinda seeing them with the money, seeing them with, you know, the different girls, uh, just kinda appealed to me and, you know, it then you know, the music, you know, that, you know, was that we was riding to and vibing with, uh that plays a major part, you know. So, uh, you know, you wanna you wanna be like, you know, the rappers that, that you see, you know, you wanna you wanna be like the older guys that you're you're around and you wanna try to fit in. So I think for me, uh just trying to uh figure out my being significance and trying to impress my peers I think that's what appealed to me because I felt like if I built a certain reputation get got a certain street recognition then you know I would have the respect you know as a man I felt like
0: that's what I had to do you know to be a man in life so mm. Yeah. Mm. how did how did your I guess your family who kind of witnessed you go through that or people that you knew how, how did you how did how did that make them feel do you feel like it hurted your mom was your mom worried where you were at at certain times in the night, like how did that make your mother feel? As a just you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know, I I would say you know, growing up as a teenager, I caused a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of worry for for my mother, uh. And so you know, she did you know the definitely she did the best she could. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a child of six, so, wow. She did the best she could trying to raise six children, um. But you know, I think she kind of made peace that you know she only could took me take me so far as a young man in life and. Uh, and there were just some things I was' gonna have to figure out on my own uh and so I definitely caused a lot of pain a lot of grief, you know to my mother, but you know you know mother's love she stood she stood by me the whole entire time and and she always seemed the best in me
0: she always she always knew what I could become hmm. rather, rather than what I was involved in right interesting, so I guess what advice would you give to somebody who basically similar to your background, somebody a young man that grows up? pretty much without a father figure, but the mom is doing the best that she can do. And also just kind of giving advice to the mother as well. What are some, what are some tips or some things that kind of helped you to say, okay, this is my stopping point and this is not even work. This is not even what people make it seem to be. What are some advice that you can give to people who, you know, who are yeah. out there doing it, you know? Yeah. And the yeah. Mom, for the single mother as well, who is trying to raise this child to, to be the best that they can be. But yet the streets are still so appealing
1: yeah you know? I mean, I think first and foremost, just speaking to to my young people, so like when I was 13 and 14, when I was making the choices that I was making, getting involved with certain groups of people, uh you know doing certain drugs, uh you know just skipping school and not taking my education seriously, when I was making those choices in those moments, I didn't, really, I didn't really understand how it would affect me down the line. I didn't really understand how it would position me in the future. And so, you know, as a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, as a teenager, you just kind of make decision uh, based on, you know, the here and now. You don't really think about long term. You don't really think about your future. You don't really think about how is it's going to affect you down the line. So, to my young people, I think, I think you got to understand just the power of your choices and uh, decisions you're making at 13, 14 is definitely going to shape how you, you know, are when you get 20 and 21, 22. So, it's going to determine whether or not you go to college it's going to determine whether or not uh, what type of jobs you, you get is going to determine what type of, uh, you know, people that you surround yourself around in the future. And so uh, for young people, you just got to really, you know, think carefully about the type of people you surround yourself with and um, just really understand, the, you know, the power of your choices. You know, you got a free will and, you know, only your mom and dad, whoever, they only can do so far, do so much. And so at the end of the day, you have to make certain choices that's going to be beneficial in the future and then for for single mothers out there you know my I tip my hat off to them uh because they do a lot they do a lot for our community they do a lot for our kids so i think for a single mother you know just number one you have to you know pray and give certain things to to god and you have to you know put that in his hands but and be at peace as long as you know you're doing all you can to you know put your child in a position to be successful and you know you with all the resources that you had available you did the best you could i think you have to be at peace but also, just never give up on them. You know, keep yeah. encouraging them. Uh, keep telling them how much you love them, and you know, most mothers are gonna do that. So, but just keep encouraging them. My mom, she stood by me no matter what, and uh, regardless of like I say, regardless of what I was indulging in, what I was doing, coming home late, uh, just being rebellious and not listening to her. She, she still, you know, loved me through my darkest days. She still supported me. Uh, and she never get, she never gave up on me. She
0: always told me what I could become. Right, yeah. man, you know. That's that's pretty inspiring. You know, when I really think about the, especially people who are um, this. This is for everybody, but I know like specific like for African Americans. You know, I'm not sure a lot of people are aware, but the percentage of kids who don't have a male role model is pretty pretty big. You know. And for me personally, like just even sitting here, hearing your story, it just shows that despite the circumstances and the things that, you know, that people go through, that it's still an opportunity to change. It's still an opportunity for us kids, you know, that's out here that may be listening or educators who who may be teaching our babies to, to be the best that they can be, but yet they're still being rebellious and still, you know, being, coming, being disrespectful. they just a little challenging to work with. This is proof evidence. Here I am interviewing Terry, and he was one of those kids. And however, now he has changed his whole life around. So like he said, man, for the mothers, for the educators, for people who are... are dealing with kids who are who are struggling don't don't give up just keep loving them keep showing them that you're committed and dedicated to say hey look i'm here for you no matter what despite what you go through despite your test scores despite whoever said that you wouldn't make it out in life i'm still here and i think that the presence like action speaks loud speaks louder than words and i think the presence is what really makes a difference um in a kid's life especially when they're called to the streets because they're looking for that attention and the love. And if they can find that in a positive environment, uh, they'll be well off. And so, like I said, I definitely tip my hat off to, to, uh, to those educators and people who are, who are really striving to make a difference because it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. So, but yeah, man. So what, what was it now that you, we we talked about your story and what you went through, what birth brought your nation? Like what, What was, like, the year, the date, everything? What Did it come into a dream? What was it for you that said, man, you know what? I want to start a movement. Man, you know what? I want to make a difference like that. Very first thing.
1: Yeah, I think... uh, So, I mean, I I can't remember exactly when uh, just Royal Nation... Well, not Royal Nation, the name. I I remember Mm. when the name came to me, but... um, I remember wanting to you know when I was going through uh, a situation you know as a 19 year old 20 year old um, you know being incarcerated going through a very you know disturbing time in my life I remember just you know the process that God had me on the journey he had me I remember just wanting to once I made it through I remember just wanting to give back and just wanting to go back to my community and places that I'm from and try to make a difference and uh, just kind of show show the young people that you know you can do something different no matter regardless of what environment you're from regardless if you're from the hood or the project uh it doesn't matter where you're from you can be different you don't have to be molded by your culture so i just remember once i you know came into that understanding and once i seen you know became comfortable who i am and in my identity uh i knew then that you know it was my responsibility just to go back and you know be to those young people for what I didn't have, you know, a role model and someone who could tell them, look, you don't have to do this, you can go this way, so just show them a different route. Uh but I birthed Royal Nation around in September uh of 2017. Uh I remember being on my aunt's couch. Couch and uh mm. that's when it came to me. I was I think I was reading a scripture and it was in 1st Peter um 2 9, and that's when it came to me just you know how God talks about how He has chosen us to be a chosen generation, uh, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. And so uh, it just came to me. I was like, you know what? I want to start a movement called Royal Nation. Wow. And uh, my whole mission for Royal Nation, like I say, it starts with my life. And, and my whole purpose of birthing Royal Nation was to, you know, to connect not only myself with young people who, who need mentors, but also people who share like visions with myself, you know, what if it's educators or what if it's principals, what if it's teachers, just people who share a like vision, a like passion to wanna, you know, inspire the youth, uh to just be able to connect them with young people who need mentors and, and role models. And so, uh yeah, that's where it started. And my first the first group of young guys that I got and was able to mentor, I just I went to I went back to the hood that I grew up at in Griffin. Uh and we just I just got connected with a group of young guys there and and uh, I just told them about the movement, and, uh, and I was like, "Look, we're gonna start Royal Nation." And they was like, "Yeah, that sounds good. Let's start Royal Nation." So uh, I just it, it just gave them a positive thing to want to be be a part of, and you know, rather than just it was just another alternative for them rather than you know joining a gang or joining uh, whatever negative movement that they could be a part of. Uh, Royal Nation, I seen that it was another outlet for them, and so and that's that's what gave birth to it. And then from that day on, we just been. Uh, just hit the ground running and just trying to be just making ourselves available, you know Giving our time and resources to the young guys that we're mentoring and just trying to make sure that they understand that There's another route that you can take in life, you know You don't have to be molded by, by your culture. You don't have to be what everybody else is, is You know regardless of what you're surrounded by and that's what that's my that's what that's what inspires me That's what keeps me going. That's where that's why I do what I do. It's all to you know to give them a better outlet You know for the future
0: Right, right, man. I definitely agree. And it's funny because I remember when I I met you and um I, and I remember when we was at a retreat and you were telling me about some of the things that you were dealing with uh when, yeah. with the royal nation and mm-hmm. I guess like just needing more recognition, recognition yeah. and like more assistance too. Right. I think you oh, yeah, kind of yeah, mentioned that too. Yeah, and, I, and we met and I remember when we actually sat down and had an opportunity to have lunch. I remember you told me that you went to the neighborhood. You were, and I know you said you went back to your hood, but you went knocking on doors or like, <laughs> yeah. how did you find these kids? Where yeah, they? Yeah,
1: they was no, they was they <laughs> was just outside. They was outside playing wow. playing football and just uh, I just approached them, started playing throwing the football with them, and then just kind of after throwing the football with them, I would just you know kind of introduce myself and who I was. Um and she's like, look, I want y'all to be a part of Royal Nation, and they was like, where's Royal Nation? Where's Royal Nation? So I just kind of, you know, told them about the movement, what I'm trying to do, and what it what it's about, and um and they was with it. They was like, yeah, we want to be a part of that, and so uh that's how I got started. That's how I got started, man. Just, just a group of group of teenagers, you know, throwing a football. That's how I got started, and you know, Royal Nation was birthed from from that, and. Um, from from at that point I it at that point it wasn't an actual organization. It was just, you know, mm. a movement that I started. I didn't have it on paper or anything like that. That, you know, this is a 501 C three nonprofit type of organization. It was just, you know, Royal Nation. It was just like a group that they wanted to be a part of. Right. And that's how we birthed it, man. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, I definitely struggled with man, just uh in that point, you know, met you had the retreat, definitely struggled with just recognition and then also just needing assistance, because I was actually having to turn turn down a lot of different guys and, and kids that wanted to be a part of the movement, but it was, only, it was only so much that I could, you know, do and mentor, so many kids that I could mentor at one time by myself, so, you know, I had to turn a few a few young guys away, and, uh, you know, which is not what I want to do, so that's why I needed more assistance, and and then with the recognition thing, you know, you when you're out there and you're doing what you're doing, you, you want people to show appreciation, you want... I guess, for your own peers to kind of tell you, you know, you know how good of yeah. a job you're doing. So I had to, you know, go back to the bases and, you know, why I do what I do. And it's not for recognition, it's not, you know, to get a pat on the back. But, you know, to, like I say, to make sure that I'm giving these kids the tools and resources they need to be successful in life.
0: Right, man. I think, man, that was so transparent. That's so real. And, you know, it's it's really cool to be able to hear, like, your your highs and then some of the things that you struggle with because I just think man in our even just in general man in our generation a lot of people not showing they they're not a lot of people not are not transparent right. they're not they're not showing their weakness and what they struggle with like for example for kid just for students for people from fourth and all the way up to the twelfth grade and even outside of school. People get on Instagram and they, and not only Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Now they have TikTok, whatever. It's like you can basically present your best self and be the best self that you can be, which is great. But when kids look at that, they say, "Oh man, some, some, some." I've witnessed personally some students will start feeling bad and doubting themselves because they think that they don't have any weakness or they think that they don't struggle with anything. So yeah. I just appreciate you, you know, just being transparent about, you know, just some of your struggles and then Absolutely. your highs and lows. Absolutely. So, um, I guess give the people one testimony where you worked with a kid and you saw the change or you saw them become a different person or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a few, but just one in particular is probably the first, like I say, first
1: kid I ever met. Um, uh, his name was Jaquelle and uh, he's from he's from the neighborhood that that I you know originally grew up in, and so uh I remember when I first met him he was he was at an alternative school he had just got kicked out of public school, uh his grade he was he was struggling with his grades, uh when I first met him, and um you know I remember just kind of him telling me sharing with me certain things about his father and how he never met his father and stuff like that, and um from day one I always told him that you know look at me more as a you know a big brother I never want to try to. You know, assume you know a father role where you know like I'm trying to take someone's you know, place as their father. So, uh, so from day one, he just kind of always looked up to me, looked at me as a big brother. I shared my story with him, and just kind of things that I've been through, my similar experiences, and then you know me and his little brother. We we met up probably twice a week and just kind of talking about different things. Uh, maybe even you know sharing sharing faith with them and helping them understand you know spirituality, and so um you know I seen just from in a few months i have seen just tremendous growth in just in terms of you know what he was doing at school and how his, his his grades increased he eventually got back into public school uh and so started back playing sports you know just a lot of different things that he had stopped doing and given given up on uh it just seemed like it just rekindled the, the his passion because he had someone in his corner and motivating him and encouraging him and I seen him. I went to one of his award ceremonies at school where he got some awards for just being an outstanding student. And so, uh, for me, that's that's the most rewarding thing for me, you know, that when I see that type of fruit where it's like, you know, it's evidence that, you know, from where this kid didn't have, you know, that type of role model or model or figure in his life where, and then when I come alone and just started encouraging him, just started being there for him, and not even just you know, correcting him on every little thing, but letting him grow into being who he is and in his own identity. Uh, I just seen a tremendous growth in it, man. And so, you know, he's probably you know, he's he's like a little brother to me so uh um, yeah.
0: Right, right, right. And um I have a few more questions and we're mm-hmm. about to wrap things up. But so there are people and I think we even discussed this personally uh one on one where there may be people who are very, very passionate about you know, making a difference and wanting to see a change and, you know, really wanting to change their community around. But we also know that even in that non-profit, for-profit, it doesn't matter. It's still a business. Yeah. And no one is really going to take an individual serious if they don't have some type of documentation saying that this is a brand or this yeah. is a business. Because somebody can That's just like saying oh man, I want to teach kids English in the schools, in the public schools. They can be passionate all day. They can have a lot of information, but if they don't have that degree and credentials, right. they're not teaching nowhere in nobody uh, public school. Right. They're not hands down. So what was it, I guess, from the business aspect where you said that, okay, you know I got this passion, so now let's 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 do the business side of things and the documentation and in, and even if you are still in that process, like what is it like? Yeah. Uh so I eventually, you know, partnering with a, a lady who's over Epic Life.
1: Her name is Kenyatta Bell, and so she uh she she was like really I met this lady. She just really believed in my story, believed in my vision, and uh she was willing to just kind of really help support me and uh just kind of structuring the organization as a nonprofit and a five hundred one c three. But we can actually begin to take in donations, and, and our sponsors and people who are investing in our organization can actually, you know, receive a tax credit that they was due. You know, being a person who's uh, investing in a nonprofit. Uh, so it it kind of it started with just filing, you know, filing the paperwork, uh, the necessary paperwork for being a nonprofit, and then also just filing the five hundred one C three, which is a additional process. Um, it, it probably takes about four or five months just to do that. But if you got someone who knows exactly what they're doing, it's a, it's not a it's not a hard process to do. Uh, but it's necessary. It's necessary, especially when like now we're at a stage where we're trying to partner with different public schools and uh, partner with different organizations. So, uh, it's necessary. It helps you know to for people and businesses and schools is, you know actually take you serious that you know what this is this is not just um. You know, mom and pop type of thing. This is a, this is a real life organization and, and uh, we're actual entity and we're we're structured in that way. And so it just helps people take you serious. And, and like I said, it helps protect you and, and build your brand because, you know, you know, if you want to get grants or anything like that for a non-profit, it got to be it got to be listed as that. You know, it just can't be saying it's a non-profit. And right. so you got to definitely have it on paper and, and, and uh, put the structure together so that you can actually be taken serious as an organization.
0: Right, and so how much does it tip? So I know that when you're doing a nonprofit, you can also pay someone to file for you. What? How do you? How does someone go about that? Where can they find these people that you know? Yeah,
1: or, I mean, it's 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 a lot of different people who who does you know filing nonprofits, making sure that you get all your articles submitted. It's something you actually can do yourself. You know, I'm personally you know don't recommend it. it's too much paperwork for me, so I prefer <laughs> to pay somebody to do right. it. Right. Uh but it's it's a lot of different people you can do it. I mean if you just Google, you know, filing non profit, you know, paperwork, you know, a lot of different people will come up. Uh typically it's probably uh about seven eight hundred dollars to just get everything filed and get your non profit. If you file as a non profit to get to get it listed as a five one C three. Uh it's about seven hundred, eight hundred dollars to do that total.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, you know right so yeah that's pretty much the business aspect of thing I just have uh, one more question man for you before we end this podcast where do you see Royal Nation the brand in the next five years
1: yeah yeah I see I see as we you know bring in other leaders and other uh, individuals who's passionate about you know reaching our young people reaching our community um I believe that in the next five years we will be able to, uh, really have uh, enough staff where we can set up you know mentors with different youths in different cities, uh, so that it won't all just the burden won't all just be on one person. Right. Uh, so we'll be you know if there's a person you know now that we're now getting connected with different schools and different organizations and different, uh, orphanages facilities as well. I believe that you know if there's a kid that's in need of a mentor. Uh, I see Royal Nation being able to provide that that tool through our volunteers, through our sponsors, people who are, you know, willing to step in and give their time and and resources and mentor young people. I believe we'll be able to connect them to be able to bridge that gap and you know set them up with somebody that they can pour into. Uh, and then also in the next five years, I hope that we will be uh, have our own facility, have our own facility where kids can come on a day to day basis and you know what if it's just after school doing doing schoolwork or. Uh, having you know athletic training where they can you know be involved with the sports that they want to be involved in, uh. But I see I see us open up community centers and just being able to, you know, pour into them on a day to day basis.
0: Right, yeah. right, and and I think that's man. I think that's great, and I also want to break this myth of um of people thinking that before before we end that. When you run in when you are running a non profit, or maybe you you sit on the board of a non profit that you don't get paid. Like some people hear nonprofit and they just think that, man, you know, I'm not gonna start a non profit because yeah. I'm not gonna get paid. You get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and you still have to it's still a business. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong. Yes. A good majority of the money goes to the people that you're serving. But still, if you are a part of the nonprofit staff, depending on who you are, depending on where you are in the nonprofit, you get paid from grants. You know, even a nonprofit, they still have to sell services. Absolutely. Uh, t- maybe nonprofits sell T-shirts. Yeah. Or maybe not a nonprofit will say, maybe run a school a conference. And that money goes back into the, the business. So... A nonprofit is still a business, and yes, you still get paid. You may not get paid as much as if as if if it was under an LLC for a profit, but even in the nonprofit, you still get paid. All right, so absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I just I just hear a lot of people a lot of people don't want to run a nonprofit because they're afraid that they won't get paid, but you still get paid, and you can still use it as a tax write off as well. I believe so from I'm, I'm right, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: so absolutely. It's no different from, you know, a church. You know, a church has a business aspect. Right. You know, a non profit, you know, I eventually want to do this full time and so, you know, yeah, you definitely, you know, can be compensated. Nonprofit non profit doesn't mean you don't get paid, you don't be able to pay yourself. It's just uh you are, you know, entitled to certain tax write offs and certain uh, you know, tax exemptions when you are non you know but yeah, you know, it definitely doesn't mean that you don't take in profit
0: right right so i hope you all learned something today um that how to really build a passion and, and, and turn it into a business because if you uh, plan to do anything in the community full time that takes more than 40 hours of your week you deserve to get paid you know and so i hope that like i said that you can kind of tr- channel that passion into actually making it in a business where you can do the good works of the community full-time and still get paid for what you do and also as well just kind of hearing about this gentleman's story and where he came from to where he is today so it's just evidence and proof that you can really uh make a life change and change things around thank you for your time terry i appreciate you and we and we are out What's going on everyone? I'm excited today. As you all know, I am the host, Dre Tavius Parham, and welcome to Education Empowerment Podcast. Today I get to interview one of my really close friends, uh, Ray, and he's an educator. He's doing great things in the school system. And I really want to touch bases on how does school apply to real life? I hear a lot of students When I go to schools and speak or if I'm mentoring or working with kids, they really don't see the value in education. And it's a lot of people outside of school where they feel like uh, school is pointless. They feel like it's a waste of time. They feel like school doesn't teach real, uh, valuable life lessons that people can learn, you know, just in, in real society. So it's going to be great to hear his point of view from an educator and just from a personal standpoint. What's going on today, Ray? How you doing? Man, it's good to be here. Good to talk to you, man. Right, right, right. So tell the people, tell the people how, how was it for you growing up personally, just growing up um, from where you from till now? Like, how was that experience? Uh, well, I grew up uh, maybe about an hour
2: outside of uh, New York City, um, I, you know, suburban area, uh, you know, very diverse. Uh, so I went to school with uh, blacks, whites, Puerto Ricans, uh, Cubans. Uh, Asians, you name it. Uh, my friends were a mix of all races, um, both uh, boys and girls. So um, I got a chance to experience different cultures. Uh, um, obviously, my culture, I'm, I'm black, and so I got to experience that uh, with my family. But, you know, got a chance to kind of see how my white friends live, see how my, uh, my Puerto Rican friends, how they lived their lives. And so it really expanded my uh, my thinking, and so uh, I really was fortunate um, to have that experience. Um, you know, just to have just to grow up with diversity uh, and to not have some type of uh, monolithic type of ideology. So that was good. Um, I didn't have many struggles academically, um, school and and the academic piece. Uh, it it wasn't. A, a challenge for me to understand the con- the content. Um, it was more putting the work in and the, the, the time to study and to master it. Uh, so, like any other, you know, kid, you know, having to discipline him or herself um, or exercise discipline to make sure that they're studying was probably my biggest, was one of my biggest obstacles. Uh, but my biggest obstacle was more the social piece. Um, I was... Uh, accepted into advanced uh classes and honors classes uh, starting in seventh grade when I entered junior high school and um, my my peers, my closest friends were not in those classes, and so i f- I felt like I was uncool for being in those classes, so I decided to dumb myself down uh not do as well to not put as much effort into the class uh because being a, a smart black kid at the time was not really mm. something that was uh that, that one aspires to. Um and so that, that pretty much lasted, you know, through high school. Uh fortunately I was able to uh get accepted to Morehouse College uh down here in Atlanta and just the environment at Morehouse was completely different than what it was uh, for me growing up. Uh, so as opposed to seeing uh, a number of my black friends underachieving in school, um, I am now surrounded around uh, my peers um, that are excelling. You know, So some of my classmates were talking about going to work uh, as uh, lawyers for the MBA, um, starting their own businesses, uh, becoming doctors and uh, and getting engineering degrees, uh, these are things that you know. I just heard on a consistent basis um, that it just really inspired me and it made me feel like, hey, it's okay to um, have a gift intellectually and, and to use it um, and to develop it. And so uh, I really, really uh, appreciated that experience. It helped me become the man that I am uh, today.
0: Man, that's, that's, that's good stuff, man. I know that you mentioned as just being an African-American male, that being smart was not necessarily glorified. And it really brought me back a memory. I was looking at a movie one time, and I remember it was, basically, it was this kid. He was a very brilliant kid, and he actually got jumped, you know, after school, and they physically just beat him up, like, very badly because they found out that he was very smart and intelligent. And so they just kept beating up on him every day after school for him, for him, like punish him basically for being smart. So what so that still happens in today's time. So what was one of the things that you felt like you had to you feel like you would say, how can you overcome that struggle? Because I'm pretty sure there are kids who are very smart, but. Just being smart is not necessarily cool, you know. Gangs and being a thug and those things are more so glorified than actually being intellectually, you know, smart. So, yeah, I think the um the culture,
2: uh, and the environment that uh, a a kid grows up in fosters whether or not that child will uh, do well academically. <clears throat> uh, I was told when I first started teaching that. Um, you know, a, 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 any group of students is kind of like, you know, a, a pyramid. Um, you have the very tip of the pyramid of students that are going to go either way. Um, they're either going to be successful regardless of what happens or, you know, they just have significant troubles that it's, it's going to be significantly difficult for them to be successful. Um, and But then like the 80% that's beneath that are able to be swayed one way or the other. And um, I think what sways that 80% um, or the majority is the culture that that student um, is developed in. And so if the school system um, makes it. Uh, or or fosters an environment where its it's so it 's cool where it's it 's laudable to be intelligent and to be successful academically um, where they they recognize academic success they recognize achievement in the books uh, they recognize achievement in math they recognize achievement in problem solving and citizenship and and kindness and warmth i think um, and then they and then and then that that translates to uh what happens in the child's home. I think that sets a child up better uh to be successful um regardless of what the society says. Uh,
0: so yeah, got you, got you. So, I know that you may have mentioned you are the dean of what, What's your position now? So I serve as
2: dean of middle school. So I uh, basically that role is um I uh I, I work with the students and, um, with this, any disciplinary issues, um, uh, developing a, a culture at the school, as I spoke about just a second ago. Uh, but I also, um, coach the teachers and, you know, teaching, uh, the students in, in the best way that's uh,
0: available. So, right. Nice, nice. So kind of bring us back to how was your first year of teaching? Like what? What inspired you to teach, especially in like low income areas? I know that you said that you taught in um in Vine City, which is a very low income area for in Atlanta, Georgia, for some of those who don't know. Bankhead, which I know you've actually taught at as well, is another um low income area. What what inspired you to specifically go teach in 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 those type of communities? Like how was it for you, like, you know, just starting off as a teacher? Well, that's that's where the biggest need
2: is, especially for um, passionate, um, driven, uh, dedicated educators. Um, I think the biggest need uh, is in those areas. And so I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to get in that area, particularly to uh, inspire young black students, uh, particularly young black boys, that education is still their best way out. Um, That education is transformative. Um, Education can take you from uh, low income to high income in one generation. And I I speak on that from um, what I've seen uh, directly within my family. Uh, My grandparents on both sides had eight children and uh, education um, shifted, the, shifted the tax bracket of all eight of their children. So 16, uh, 16 different uh, people have seen the power of education and I wanted to make sure that um, that, that was still being uh, taught as a viable um, and probably the most viable option Um, There is for young black kids and, you know, is is, it system educational system is not perfect. We have a lot of work to do to uh, perfect it. But, um, you know, when it is done right and and when effort is put into it, it, it really has transformative powers.
0: Right, right, right. So I know that a lot of it's funny because a lot of let's see a lot of kids. Just in general, like here, I guess hearing from their standpoint, they they don't really see the value of science, math, social studies because in today's time, especially especially on social media, the big thing that's a lot of people are starting to talk about is financial freedom, mm-hmm. like being in control of your life, and then you know, I guess one of the biggest things that people say that school doesn't necessarily teach you teaches you. To be an entrepreneur, it only teaches you how to be an employee. And these are just some of the conversations that I hear ongoing all the time. And to me, honestly, it's kind of irritating a little bit because I do still see the value of education. But for some of those, how do you, how do you let people know that I guess science, math, social studies, I guess does play a role in financial freedom mm-hmm. or entrepreneurship or. Having full control of your life, like how does education in itself these subjects that teachers you know teach seven hours, eight hours a day? Right. How does that play like practically in you know? in someone's like, do you feel like it does, or I guess yeah. like, what's your personal take on it?
2: So uh, I, before I answer that, I will say that um, we have a ways to go to make education more relevant to today's uh, fast-paced moving. Uh, society. Yeah. Um, the way that we assess our students um, does not reflect how students have to operate in, in the real world. And so, for example, um, every April April and May here in Atlanta, our students take what's called the Georgia Milestones. And it's essentially uh, four different, um, and for at least in uh, Grades three through eight. It's four different um, assessments: math, science, um, language arts, and uh, and um, social studies. Um, now, every grade doesn't take science and social studies, but each of those grades will take a math and ELA um, assessment, and it's majority multiple choice questions. And so, if you think about in real world, like, uh, yeah, the, the problems are are real world, um, you know, uh, but but how many times in the last week have we really taken a multiple choice assessment, right? Uh, now, we do have to make choices in, in, in the world, but that uh, really doesn't reflect the way, the way we make choices in the world doesn't reflect the way that our students are assessed, right? And so we have a ways to go and And making education more relevant, um, so with that being said, um, we have made great strides um, excuse me y'all that's uh, that 's my child in the background. Uh, she likes making noise uh, but we we have we have made great strides in um, in making education more relevant, and so uh, our students are learning more conceptual understandings of math. They're reading more contemporary uh, literature. Um, they are being required to uh, uh, to develop their 21st century skills like problem solving, like management, like uh, conflict resolution, um, time management. Uh, they're being required to do each of these things uh, while while they're in school, and so. Um, uh, but, but I will say this, one thing that we, we cannot forget, right Edu- uh, The school system is really meant to teach academics and to um, assist in building uh, citizens for the next generation and for, for the future. However, we, we, we can't minimize the importance that family that the family plays and that the community plays. And I think it has been uh, to our detriment to put all the blame and all the responsibility on the school system um, and to kind of absolve uh, the family of a lot of their responsibility. Now, that's not everywhere. But, you know, in, in several situations, that has been the case. And so um, education is very relevant. It is. I mean, it, it di- does it directly um, impact your uh financial health or you know your 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 freedom. Um uh in some cases not directly but um it, it's it's opportunity. It opens doors that
0: uh, lack of education uh cannot cannot open. Right, right. So I know that you man, that's dang that was that's that's powerful man. I think that even even with like taking tests a lot of times can help us Problem solve because I mean I think Problem solving in itself When you talk about it in terms of Really Wanting to be successful or really wanting to Own anything it takes problem solving To actually do that And execute in that In that, in that perspective mm-hmm. So I know that you have taught Financial literacy before mm-hmm. And I think that financial literacy Is actually a very important Skill set as well can you can you elaborate a little bit on that how How was that? How was that experience? Do you feel like kids were into it? Do you feel like you had support? How was that well, I, I definitely
2: had a ton of support and a lot of buy in from the from the kids um, and so it was it was my attempt at making uh, the content that I was teaching. so I was a math teacher for uh, several years, and it was my attempt to make the content relevant. Uh, to to my students, and so um, a lot of the lessons and uh, that I've learned over the years, in addition to a lot of the mistakes that I've made over the years, um, went into me developing a financial literacy curriculum that I was able to implement in some of my classes. Um, and so, you know, I would teach them things about budgeting, um, you know. Uh, uh, uh how to f- make sure that they secure a scholarship so that they don't uh, in- in- uh, in- uh take on too much debt um you know uh what a what a credit score is you know how to how to buy cars how to buy houses um how to save you know how money grows over time so these are a, a lot of the different things that i i i wanted to touch on uh with with that group of students um and uh, like the the in was great, the buying was was great from the kids. You know they had a, they had a good time um, with that. Uh, it was by no means easy, you know, because you're trying to teach a, a, a content or a subject matter to which they really don't have much of a reference point with. Um, and so, uh, but but just being able to expose them at a young age to some of those concepts so that they're not completely caught off guard when they become adults, I think. You know, it was a great attempt. I
0: would love to continue doing that um, uh, with students. Nice, nice, man. Even like just hearing that, wow, that speaks volume because that just goes to show even coming from your perspective that there are valuable like concepts that teachers may not necessarily teach. Maybe not during the day, but maybe after school where you have educators that are teaching about financial literacy or teaching about other things, other life skills that kids could take home with them outside of, outside of school. So now I see that you mentioned about, um, debt, college loans. Mm -hmm. So I guess, what is your opinion on kids that's graduating high school? Like even transitioning to that and what do you feel like they should go to college if they don't know exactly what they want to do? or do you feel like taking out a lot of loans is a smart efficient way like what what would be your best advice to someone who's coming out of high school you know so my my
2: advice is um if you don't know what you want to do just yet um you know i would i would take some time before you uh go to a really expensive college and, you know, uh, get yourself into just a bunch of debt. Um, you can take a lot of prerequisite classes at a community college, uh, to get the credits, um, out the way. Um, and then when you're ready to make that transition to a, uh, four year university or four year college to get your bachelor's degree, you at least will spend a lot less time. Um, you'll at least spend a lot less time, um, Uh, uh, just kind of just roaming around campus really, really unsure about what you want to do with with your life. And so um, one thing I do recommend, if you do know what you want to do, there are a lot of options out there uh, as far as college. And I do not recommend that uh, you go into uh, extreme debt trying to uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses and going to the finest college, um, going to um, the most prestigious college if you if you can afford it or if you plan on going into a career uh, that won't, you know, kind of give you an opportunity to pay off those loans uh, quickly. And so um, you know, take time trying to figure out what you want to do. Hopefully, while you're in high school, you're thinking about those things. But if it doesn't come to you while you're in high school, I don't think st- st- people should rush into getting into college. Um, you know, if you if you do tack on, you know, a lot of debt, uh, pay it off as quickly as possible. You know, uh, there's a scripture that says um, the uh, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Um, and, and you feel <laughs> anybody that's in debt now, you feel like that. You feel like as soon as your your paycheck comes, um, your slave master takes a certain percentage of your income, and it's just it's it's not a it's not a great feeling to to work hard, you know, for two weeks or for a month and get a paycheck and then to you know have to pay back something. Uh, uh, but you know, pay 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 your loans off. You know. Uh, quickly, um, so that you can begin to build wealth, you know, for yourself. Um, and again, and back to the point about not feeling like you have to go to, you know, like the most prestigious colleges, or you know, uh, getting too caught up in names and, and, and reputations. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, uh, research this, um, research this idea is called the uh, big fish, little pond phenomenon. Um, it, it's, it's better to be a big fish in a little pond than to be a little fish in a big pond. And I, I, what I say is, when I say that, you, know, um, you may get into an Ivy League school or a, a top school, and everybody is just as smart as, as you are, and everybody works just as hard as you are. Uh, so you're a little fish in a big pond, and um, numerous studies have shown that uh, those students that perform um, below average, even though they would be above average at other places when they go to these colleges, they, they underperform and end up dropping out or not even going into the fields that, uh, that they set out to go to because they get too defeated, right? And so, um, you know, if you have that drive and you have that opportunity to, to, to go to these schools, you know, I, I mean, if you want to take it, go ahead. But just go there understanding that, you know, there's a level of competition that's there, um, you know. And, and if you don't make it at that environment, you can always transfer somewhere um, and, and it'd still be great, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, I've hired people before and, you know, I've hired people that have gone to some good colleges and some, you know, average colleges and, you know, really, you know, the the name of the colleges really doesn't speak to the character of the person. Um, and so
0: that's really what matters. Man, I think that, like, man, that's such an important point that you made because I remember when that was back in high school, man, so many people were caught up on, oh, man, I need to... I want to go to this top school and, you know, just looking for, uh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted by the baby, excuse me. But, um, no, a lot of people get caught up on the name, man, and, and sometimes the name isn't all that important. To be honest, to be real with you, sometimes character is really what matters because somebody can come from a great school and someone can come from a small school, but that person that comes from a small cool school can have a great character mindset and work ethic and be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they you know can be successful and there's people like that that go to uh small schools you know so you can find some great successful people who are like very driven in a in a small school small community college yeah and
2: so and so there's a story of the of a uh, one high school graduate, um, she got accepted to Brown University in Rhode Island, which is an Ivy League school. And she also got accepted into the University of Maryland, um, which is a really good school in Maryland. Um, and so comparing, you know, the two colleges, Brown is, you know, more prestigious, um, uh, more well-known, probably, attracts uh, higher um, uh, Higher quality applicants, you know, so to speak. And so, you know, because it was Brown University and, and, and she got in, she decided to go to Brown and enroll there and <coughs> wanted to be in the uh, sciences. Um, she was studying, I believe it was, it was either chemistry or biology. Um, and so when she got to the school, she realized that, you know, even though she was, you know, really smart in high school, that you know just some things came more of a challenge to her, and she was competing against you know students where um, subjects like you know um, you know biology and organic chemistry and and these things that you know these really really smart scientists have to study it was coming easy to them, um, but she was realizing for her that uh, it wasn 't coming as easily to her, and so while she was getting um B's in her classes um her classmates were getting A's and that really defeated her because the bar where she had uh measured herself uh was was really high and so um but if she would have gone to the University of Maryland uh she would have been at the top of her class mm-hmm. there right and so that would have inspired her um, that much more to remain um, in the sciences, uh, but actually she ended up um, dropping out. Uh, well, actually I'm not sure what happened, so I don't know if she dropped out. I know she stopped pursuing that uh, that career in the, in the science field uh, because she just felt like she couldn't compete anymore. And so, um, you know, it, it takes it takes an incredible um, amount of character to 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 finish and to graduate college because this is for a lot of 18 to 22 year old kids like this is the first time that they are being independent and you know uh, if you think about low income students who are first generation college students like who do they really call on in their families to for support and for guidance right so there's several of them that don't have that um, that have, that have that type of encouragement and so feeling like you have to keep up with you know uh, keep up with the Joneses is not really the best approach when you're, you're choosing the college that you want to
0: go to got you got you we about to <laughs> go ahead and wrap it up I have one more question yes sir so what is your next plan in the next five years maybe personally or entrepreneur wise or school wise where yeah. where do you see where do you see yourself in the next 5 years? So the next 5 years it will be 2025.
2: I will be debt free in 20 by 2025. I will not have any credit card, student loan debt. Um it will all be paid off. Um I will uh have um enough money saved in the bank. Um Three months worth of uh, savings for expenses, for emergencies. I'll be working on um, investment. Um, I'll be building a uh, college fund for my children. Um, for my career, uh, my my plan is to uh, is to really master the art and science of educational leadership. Um, it takes a lot to. It's an art because, um, you know, you have, to, uh, you have to be creative. You have to think outside the box uh, when dealing with, with adults and dealing with children. Uh, but it's also a science because we're testing things um, that we don't know if they work. Or we're testing things that may have worked, you know, five or ten years ago uh, that may not work in the next five or ten years and so um, it's to really master that art of leading a high quality, um, a high quality school um, where we produce <laughs> students that are uh, ready for uh, success in college um, and in their careers. Um, I want them to wear the name of our school uh, as a badge of honor, um, but 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 also to for their work. To do uh, the speaking for them, as well, um, and I will. I want them to be uh, my people. I would love for them to be uh, young black uh, boys and girls that you know come from you know a plethora of different backgrounds, but are well prepared to be um,
0: uh, quality contributors to to our country. All right, brother Ray. I appreciate you. Coming on the podcast, just really dropping some uh, advice and information. We've talked about how the school applies to real life. We've actually uh, went over advice on what to do when you're 18. Should you go to college? Should you take out loans? Like, what's the next phase? And we also mentioned on how you made a difference just being an educator as a whole. It's, It's a lot more than just teaching but it's pouring and loving and showing support and just get basically and sometimes you basically like that father figure that some kids may not have at home and so it was uh it was a joy interviewing you today and that's all we got for you all today i hope that you enjoyed it uh make sure that you take a listen share it on instagram and social media and you all enjoy the rest of your day peace out That was.